the swag after boss. Is that is that bow tie hey, paisley? Another episode of the Sultry uh, Geek Podcast by Webster Style. We will talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I'm your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance. Coming back one more time before we begin. I have a question for you, the audience, the listener. Have you finished all your holiday shopping? Let me know. Let's get right into it with the download. Now, obviously, when I have had free time this past week, there hasn't been a lot, actually. But I have tried to get into uh, Halo Infinite some more. But, obviously, that's not what we're talking about because we talked about it last week. I want to recommend to you today, and this, unfortunately, is just for Xbox owners, whether you have a 360, Xbox One, Xbox Series S, or X. But this week, we're talking about joyride turbo now i'm only talking about the standard edition there was actually a version of the game that utilized the connect and i don't know about you i never utilized the connect but that's a whole nother story for another day now this is your standard kart racing fair uh with different tracks but it's a very fun easy game to jump into and it used your avatar as your driver but the kind of crux of this game is that you can do wild and crazy insane flips and spins and whatnot doing the jumps of uh, that occur during all of these races and it's a very good easy fun game to play and it also features multiplayer I don't remember if it's online or not probably not but it does feature up to four players split screen action and I love that because more and more games today are really forgetting about that couch split screen experience that we all really cut our teeth on when it came to competitive gameplay with our friends. I don't know about you, but my sophomore year of college, yes, I am that old, it was spent in front of a little color 13 inch TV playing split screen. It might have been a bit bigger. Split screen golden eye on the 10064 and imagine a good 10 of us taking turns going through land proximity mines and so on and so forth. There was just something about split screen and then obviously going forward a couple years to Halo is just something about that split screen multiplayer that just it's just fun and it brings people together. And one of the best things about this game, Joyride Turbo, is that it's very accessible for younger players as well. It's really fun. It can be really addictive as well as well and really easy. And also if it's a game you're looking to rack up some achievements, it's really easy to rack up achievement bonuses or points uh, to add to your gamer score as well. And this is obviously going to be found on Game Pass. But if you don't have Game Pass you can download this game for just just a low, low price of $9.99. Now it's time for the podcast spotlight. And this is a podcast I've talked about before in the past. But since I actually have a segment on the show where we talk about podcasts, I'm going to talk about these brothers again. And this is the Hot Seat Podcast with Sean, Dave, Earl, and Eric. And they offer an unfiltered conversation about video games, everyday life, a couple of drinks, and real dads. So prepare yourself for hot takes on a plenty and the occasional light bulb is a hot seed is the podcast you didn't know you needed. Now let me tell you, I enjoy the hot seed podcast every week when it drops is one of the ones that I, I definitely make sure I listen to because they're all real dudes and a lot of the conversation that they have I can relate to. Uh, there's a common connection as well uh, that I have with many of them. So it's just a podcast that personally speaking, I, I really, uh, really enjoy. And 
it's one of those podcasts where for me it's like I'm sitting around with my boys and just talking and shooting the breeze. It's, it's almost like it's barbershop talk, talk without the women talk uh, part of the barbershop. So I love that. And also just the guests that they've had on the show as well. I've talked about many issues as far as finances and mental health and a whole host of other issues that are very pertinent, especially to not just gentlemen of my age, but men and women of all ages alike. So I definitely recommend you check out the Hot Seat Podcast with Sean, Dave, Eric, and Earl. So that's the podcast spotlight. And let's go right into the short takes. It's a real short, short takes today. Well, I always say that it never ends up being that way. With that, we had the release of the trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Now let me tell you, Sonic the Hedgehog 1 to me really showed how much of a Sonic fan I actually am. It it is really in my opinion one of the best if not the best video game movie ever produced. So I am very excited for the sequel and the fact that they brought the voice of Tails from the Sonic Boom cartoons as well as Idris Elba's Knuckles. I it looks like it looks like the game. It looks like a true encapsulation of the video games in movie form, much like the first one was. So I am uber excited about that. That's actually the last well, before Suicide Squad, the last movie I saw in the theater before the pandemic. Hit. So I'm looking forward to going back to the theater, hopefully in April, to see Sonic the Hedgehog 2. If you have not watched the trailer, watch it. It's great. If you're a Sonic fan, let me know what you thought of the first movie and if you're excited for the second one at the email. And let's get into probably the most tragic news of the week is that Netflix cancels the Cowboy Bebop series. It canceled it after three weeks. Now, I will let you know right now, I haven't watched it yet. And I haven't watched it yet, not because I have of all of the negative press but because I really haven't had the time to uh, I said I'll binge through Lost in Space but that is literally like the only thing I've been able to watch in the past two weeks and that was only eight episodes not ten like Cowboy Bebop and Cowboy Bebop is also a series that I wanted to be able to sit and binge watch and not come back to because the one thing about Netflix is concerned at least as far as how it works with me if I start watching the series I may not come back to it Simply because of the sheer amount of things they have on there. Also, just time and getting sidetracked and forgetting. Heck, I'm still trying to finish Daredevil Season 3. Now, how many years has it been now? So, I was very disappointed when they did cancel it or the announcement came out that it was canceled. Uh, simply because I heard even with some of the uh, issues people had, there was still so much potential for refining it in a Season 2. And also, I'm pretty sure that it didn't do that badly for them to want to canceling it in 3 weeks netflix really needs to put some faith in its series to find an audience this whole ephemeral nature of the entertainment they're producing i don't think is really that great for uh, entertainment in general because let's be frank a lot of the things on netflix are on just streaming in general and that's kind of nature streaming you watch it and then it's gone from your consciousness it doesn't last like you going to the movies and remember seeing you know, or that feeling, that emotion that's elicited with seeing a movie in a theater, that ex- that experience, it just really encapsulates that moment in your mind. Even when you don't like a movie, it really, it sticks with you. I can, I can tell you I watched Lost in Space. And before that, obviously, Gunpowder Milkshake and Red Notice. But before then, 
I really can tell you the last thing that I sat and watched on Netflix and especially some of their newer movies that I have watched, which really haven't been that many. But if I wasn't actively taking note of whatever watching to talk about it for the podcast, I would probably forget it or forget that I even saw it on Netflix or was a Netflix original because there's something about the ephemeralness of streaming that makes a lot of these shows while you like them while they hit you then they don't stick with you and it's on to the next one and I think the model that Netflix is using with this because even um, and I forget the show based on oh, Jupiter's Legacy that was produced and canceled after like a month or so I haven't watched it yet one you canceled it after a month there's no reason for me to go back watch it and get reinvested in it or get invested in it for it to only be one season that's kind of the way I feel partially now about um, Cowboy Bebop what is the point of me outside of being a Cowboy Bebop fan to give that show my time now to get invested in it knowing it's not coming back if I really like it or I really look forward a season two I think this early cancellation really undercuts Netflix trying to build franchises. They're looking so much for instant gratification when it comes to the media they put out that it is going to shoot them in the foot and be their downfall. And I feel this way about any streaming service, but Netflix particularly. Yes, they have some shows, some things that are instant hits. We have Squid Games. Obviously, Stranger Things has been a huge hit. But there are a lot of things that have been modest hits that were canceled because they didn't hit the numbers that they wanted to. And they didn't allow it to find an audience. Because one of the things about Cowboy Bebop, there was so much discussion online. I was even more curious to watch it when I got the chance to see what people were talking about, to see the criticism people had um, in hopes to really understand and look at it under in my own lens as far as the show was concerned and being a humongous fan of the original anime. But now with there not being a season two coming, there is no point in investing my time and energy into it. And I think Netflix really did itself again a disservice because by making those announcements or having those announcements leak with these sort of shows, you are really undercutting the potential audience that would find that show that would come up. It would come up as a suggestion or it would talk to their friends and look at it a month or two later. And yes, I understand you want like you want to publicize. Oh, this many people watch the show. This many people watch the show. But one thing about network television that they somewhat understand some shows are a slow burn. Some shows take a while to really find its audience and you know you it does modestly the first season but all of a sudden the second season blows up Seinfeld is a classic example Seinfeld was not a show that was this huge ratings blockbuster when it started if I remember correctly it was like a mid-season replacement in like 89 if I remember correctly or 88 I don't know it was late 80s if I may have this one but I know it was a mid-season replacement and then was put on the fall schedule next year and it really didn't become this breakout hit until about season three uh, and it's, networks understand that you don't cut it off just because you have instant gratification or instant numbers if it does well enough you hold on to it you see what kind of audience it really is able to uh, materialize and to grow and then if it doesn't work out then you get rid of it at least if you're not losing money and Netflix is spending a whole lot of money on a whole lot of shows it's like they're just trying to throw things at the wall to see what sticks 
So I really think that they did themselves a disservice um, to themselves as far as their own properties and growing their own properties. They did a disservice to their, the fans of Cowboy Bebop, their subscribers as well, because if this is the sort of thing they continuously do, there's no point in me getting invested in any Netflix original program after Stranger Things. That's just all it is to it. Like, there's no reason. Alter Carbon. Never gotten to that because by the time I wanted to get into it, oh, you canceled it after season two. Um, since eight, again, you canceled it after, what, that first, second season. I'm like, oh, there's no point in me getting into it now or continuing on with it. They cancel all of these shows very quickly. And as me as a viewer who would want to support, who just doesn't have time to because you can't be releasing a whole bunch of shows back to back to back and back to back. And then expect people just, oh, we don't have the numbers. You got people time to watch it. There are a million and one things to watch on streaming, on YouTube. You got a lot of competition nowadays. And the fact that they aren't giving shows time to really find their audience. Three weeks is not enough time at all. So that's my take on that. And that was more of a take on Netflix's model, more so than Cowboy Bebop. Because I'm sure Cowboy Bebop is a decent adaptation. Is it overly faithful based on what I've read? No, not really. Um, is it probably a little bit off, like I said, as far as some of the trailers and whatnot? Yeah, probably. But you're talking about an animated now in live action. I, I can't expect that it to be is going to be this faithful live action version of the anime. There are going to be changes in its real people. Real people are not cartoons or excuse me, not hand drawn 2D characters in an anime. It's going to be slightly different. I'm still looking forward to watch Cowboy Bebop. Um, I hope that Netflix reverses course on this because regardless as an anime fan, I'd like to see a second season at least to continue on with whatever they started. Even if it's a limited run or a a movie, a live action movie um, of Cowboy Bebop, I would like to see just to finish it. So that's my take on Cowboy Bebop's being canceled by Netflix. Now we've talked about video game movies and the download is obviously video games but let's talk about some of the announcements from the most recent video game awards and then the award show itself was mostly trailers upcoming things not so much heavy on the awards and even the awards i'm like i could care less about many of them forza 5 wasn't nominated for uh game of the year so i was sort of upset and then more so no i am glad that it takes two because i like genuinely unique interesting different games to be recognized i'm glad that that one game of the year but i was a little bummed psychonauts 2 didn't if you heard me talk about psychonauts 2 that is a really great and amazing game that i have to get back to but it's a really great and amazing game but there were a whole bunch of announcements of games and nobody knew what was coming out and first and foremost i want to talk about star trek resurgence now this is an adventure game from former developers from telltale uh, studios they did all of those point and click walking dead games batman games they did a guardian of the galaxy game too but those walking dead great games were absolutely amazing that studio ended up going out of business but they are doing a new adventure game with star trek in the prime community set around at least based on the u uniforms next generation ds9 forge area excuse me era take my money that's all i got about to say about that then we had the reveal of the halo tv show which is debuting on paramount plus next year and let me tell you that is the only reason 
the absolute only reason I will keep my Paramount Plus subscription when it's done next year. The only reason. Star Trek to skip up and Brave New Worlds. That's it. That's absolutely it. So that looked amazing. That's all I got to say. Uh, and then there was the trailer for the Cuphead DLC, Delicious Last Course. That looks amazing. But let me tell you, Cuphead is super hard. And my wife played the other day. She's like, is it really this hard? I'm like, yes. She's like, how far have you gotten? And oh, not that far. And I've had the game for like two years. MHR, wonderful job with gameplay. Wonderful job with the game itself. DLC looks great. The presentation was amazing. If you, if you go on YouTube, look at the presentation for... Um, Cuphead DLC was absolutely beautiful. I love the minds that they have. But please, MHR, can we get an easy mode? I just want to enjoy the game. I don't want to just get viciously slaughtered and die every time I pick up control. I just want to enjoy it. Please. Then we had a full-length gameplay reveal for Suicide Squad Killer Justice League, which looks great. And then my favorite, Samoa Joe, is actually playing King Shark. So that looks great. And then, right then, one more after this, we had a reveal for Star Wars Eclipse, which was just a motion and um, motion capture live-action trailer. But it's set in the new High Republic uh, era of Star Wars. That's going to be the next big thing. So we'll see. It looks great. But again, it wasn't really any gameplay or anything but the whole sort of ambiance motif looks really great and then we had a full gameplay trailer review for Elden Ring and like I said for those who know for obvious reasons I'm intrigued by this game but it just looks really great I'm not a big fan of the Dark Souls sort of gaming um, genre and play style but this one looks to really tweak it to someone like me we're really get into so that's my take on the game awards Let's take a break and we'll get back right afterwards with some product reviews, some reviews of Hawkeye, our hidden gem for the week, and our fragrance of the week. And we are back from the break. Now, I have always been a fan of of horror movies. Most of my, I guess, interests really lie in the horror of the 80s and 90s and 70s to much an extent, um, to a little bit of an extent as well. I, I really cut my teeth, obviously, during that time um, or that period of, of movie making. And one of the things that I love about horror is a lot of the tropes that were established during that time which is why I was so excited for the Halloween series I'm really looking forward to another Friday the 13th movie whenever it comes out even some of the remakes of those films like the My Bloody Valentine remake from I guess it's been about 10 years or so I'm very much interested in those style of films and horror itself is really evolved into something that is just can really be a very fun and innovative genre of movies like Midsommar and The Babadook and things of that nature gonna come out over the past few years, which I really loved and enjoy. But my hidden gem this week is a little film called Feast. Uh, Feast is a, a horror film which actually came out because of a reality show now back in the early 2000s everyone and their mama had a reality show based on whatever sort of prize competition they wanted to so Ben Affleck Matt Damon and their producing partner Chris Moore had a reality show called Project Greenlight where aspiring filmmakers competed to get their movie made and I believe it was the third season that Feast was a the winner or the result of that but I believe the first two seasons the directors that won produced more art house films 
And this one, in that third season, they wanted to do something different. So they focused on the horror genre. And the director that ended up winning was a director by the name of John Gulaga. Now, John Gulaga actually has very deep horror roots because his dad, Kyle Gulaga, is one of the stars of one of my favorite horror movies, The Return of the Living Dead. And he also was in The Return of the Living Dead Part 2. And he's just a, a great genre actor who you've probably seen him in many, many different things over the years. Well, Feast is a is very much a throwback to that sort of 80s, 90s creature feature horror where essentially you have a bunch of people that are in a bar one person comes in and tells them that they're coming, something's coming, and you really spend the entire movie watching these people try to survive these bloodthirsty, uh, cannibalistic, when well, I can uh, human eating monsters that are trying to attack and devour them. And at this time, it had a, a not so all star cast, but a very, uh, cast of many notable people, including, including Kristen Allen, uh, Jay Muse of Jay and Silent Bob fame, uh, Tretch from Naughty by Nature, Navi Warat, who's done a lot of things since then, and, uh, Judah Friedlander, uh, I always remember him as the beer guy, whatever his name is. And of course, John's the director, so of course his dad was cast in the movie as well. So I remember watching Project Greenlight at this point in time and being really excited for this movie when it came out. And once it came out on DVD, it was directed DVD, I instantly snapped it up. And it was amazing. Now, I believe the series actually spawned, or this movie spawned, two sequels after that, and I believe John Gulaga directed both of them. I'd only seen bits and pieces from, I think it was the third of the sequels, uh, and I wasn't too interested in it. So I feel like it's one of those things where they just continued to make the movies while the iron was hot in order to get a return on their investment. But if you are a fan of Creature Features specifically, Feast is a movie that I definitely um, and highly recommend. It's a great, it's a great traditional creature feature romp that, especially with the pedigree of the director and the background, it definitely evokes a lot of that 80s, 90s sort of creature feature style. So that's my recommendation on my hidden gems feast. Uh, and you can find it. I don't know if it's streaming anyway. You might be able to find it on Amazon. But I actually have a DVD copy of it that I purchased when it came out. So I'm pretty sure you can find it uh, online somewhere. If I do find it, I'll put that in the show notes once everything is said and done. Now, let's get into some product reviews, which is something I don't do too often. But I was sent some product from Sesmoi. And I hope I'm saying that right. I am very much about... Skincare is something that I have really gotten into over the past few years because one when you get older you tend to uh, think about those things a little bit more especially as a guy um, but also more so your face is the most exposed part of your body now at this point in time I would say 25% of my face is covered in hair with this beard but you still want to make sure that the rest of it is is clean and also protected from the elements so I've made a point really to get more so into my facial regimen moisturizers things that way more so to protect it so I continue to look as young as I do no one believes I'm as old as I am so uh, I want to keep it that way so I was sent the Sesmoir Gentle Foaming Skin Gel 
and the purifying charcoal clay mask to try out. Now, essentially, uh, I was informed I would be receiving a um, affiliate code in order to push you guys to buy it and I get a commission that never showed up so I'm not making a dime on this they sent me a free product and I'm talking about it nobody has any kind of review leeway or leverage on this but I will say I have enjoyed the products uh, the foaming cleansing gel now I will say I've tried a lot of different facial cleaners and exfoliators over the past few years and this is really one of the best ones I've tried I know there are a lot out there for me to still try so my experience is somewhat limited, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy how clean my face is, and they're very gentle, and they're also um, non-allergenic and made with natural greens as well. So they're really looking to make sure that uh, you, if you have an allergy, if you have sensitive skin, that you can use their products, which I think is really great. Uh, my skin can be somewhat of an oily mix. So I'm glad that it's, it cleans it as well as it does. And then contrast that with the purifying charcoal clay mask. I had never used a mask before of any way, shape or form before this product. And I will say that uh, it's an interesting experience, but it is one where I definitely feel a difference in my skin once I use it. And this is a mask product you're supposed to use twice a week. What it says, I can't say that no, two or three weeks that I've had it that I've used it twice a week but especially since I am not in the routine of wearing a mask but I uh, have used it at least once a week and I definitely feel a difference in my skin overall so I highly recommend and these products are found one in places at CVS and they're pretty reasonably priced I think the um, foaming gel is about 10 bucks for this is a uh, four ounce container and I would think that the uh, purifying mask is a pretty much the same price if not a little bit less I think I haven't looked it up but I think that they are definitely worth the money and considering the size they would definitely last you a while so I figure this tube will probably last me foaming gel at least a couple months easy so ten dollars for a couple months same with the purifying mask both of these will last me a few months so it's definitely not a uh, very large financial investment to use these products so I definitely recommend them again I'm not getting any kind of kickback from this. I also link a uh, link to my Instagram reel demonstrating products in the show notes as well. If you want to take a look to see exactly how they look when you use them and how crazy I look in the mask. So that is my project review. Now let's get into real nit and gritty of this Hawkeye episode five. I will say this. Uh, there are spoilers in this and by the time you hear this if you have not been on the internet in the past couple days uh, you definitely have it spoiled if you have been it's been spoiled already so let me say this I am not one to have crushes on celebrities I don't know there is something about Florence Pugh in a fake Russian accent that is sexy as hell I don't know what it is there is just some there's a very everyday or, or a girl next door sort of vibe to Florence Pugh. And also, I like the fact that she's not a little girl. Um, I like the fact that she is a woman of real proportion. Not saying she's this thick, thick woman, but she's a woman of real proportions. And I appreciate that in Hollywood. And I don't know. I think I'm getting kind of a, a fanboy crush on her. I don't know. It's weird. Anywho, but obviously me saying that uh, Yelena was in this and I love the effect of her disappearing in a snap. One of the things I loved about Marvel when they've shown people come back from the snap, they've shown it in different ways and how it really 
impacted their lives, their families, but also just the effect itself of how she was there at the former widow's house. She's in the bathroom. She snaps and you see that passive your time denoted by the change in color of the bathroom in the house and for her to come out of that bathroom. And now this woman who she was just talking to now has a five-year-old child and a husband. It's, it's really amazing. And I really love that effect and how that time passage and was shown with that one of the things i wish we got more into uh, in this episode was maybe what she did after she came back outside of just being contacted or contracted to kill hawkeye and we got a little bit of that at the end of black widow which i think i talked about last time um in this podcast but that was awesome i like the can you like the dynamic between um uh hawkeye and Hawkeye, I forget her name, I'm getting old, but her name uh, escapes me. I also love the interaction they had with Yelena as well, and they sitting down with that girls, kind of girls night talking over uh, box macaroni and cheese with Sabacha, which is not my fancy, but you know, to each their own. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that the episode was really well done. I liked how, I, I kind of talked about how they brought back in the LARPers last episode. I liked how that was played out in this episode as far as bringing that gentleman Griff back in as more of a, a, a confidant, a secret hiding place for them to go after uh, crap hits the fan after confronting Maida, after Clint confronted Maya as um, as Ronan. And I liked the, how he she he sowed the seeds of doubt with Maya to so start to question things. I will say, though. There's nothing about this Maya character, Echo character right now that makes me look forward to her own series. Maybe that will change as we get to this last um, episode and the revolutions there. I, I do like the fact that Jack, Jack is just a great little side character with him being revealed and the police being called. And he's just like, oh, darling, it's I would have done the same thing if I found out someone's framing me. I'll be back before your Christmas party and be able to help you. I don't hold anything against you. He's just he's hilarious. And I'm looking forward to more of that character being flushed out. I'm mad that this series is only six episodes. There's so much to unpack. And especially with one episode left with the reveal of dun dun dun. The Kingpin is back. But not just any Kingpin. The rumors are true. Vincent D'Onofrio is playing Kingpin. Now, how he's going to play Kingpin, no one knows. I know that it probably won't be as gritty as the Daredevil interpretation. But Vincent D'Onofrio was born to play Kingpin. No disrespect, rest in peace to Michael Clark Duncan, who did a great job, in my opinion, playing Kingpin in the Daredevil movies with Ben Affleck, which are very underrated, in my opinion. I enjoyed those films, especially the director's cut. But Vincent D'Onofrio coming back really opens up that street level Marvel Universe that we are getting with the Hawkeye series. It's not always superheroes and spandex. And one of the things I love about Hawkeye is that with the emphasis being on protecting his family, making sure his family's safe, like you now know that his family is somewhere away that nobody knows where they are. Clint's identity is public. So anybody could come after them, which is really something that no other Avenger, well, obviously with Spider-Man No Way Home coming out, is a little bit different. No other Avenger really has to deal with, they don't have to worry about someone coming after their family. Um, Tony did 
but we know how that worked out. Rhodey doesn't. Um, Sam does, though. And that is something that we kind of got explored in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. But Sam, that's his sister and his nephews. It's not his wife and his kids. And, and not saying that isn't a pain point. It's not the same. It, it's You love them, but they're, they're not yours. That's not your woman. Those aren't your kids. There's, there's a different pain point that someone can press because they're yours compared to, oh, that's my sister and my nephews, you know, sort of thing. At least that's my opinion. If, if you disagree, let me know. But I really enjoyed that, and I cannot wait for episode six next week. It is, man, there needs to be more episodes. And, and whatever they do afterwards, they, it can't come soon enough to continue to demonstrate or highlight that street level aspect of the MCU I, I hope that this allows obviously we know Dead O's coming back eventually I want Mike Coulter back as Luke Cage um, even dude is Danny Rand Iron Fist I can tolerate him under the MCU because I think it, the character would be a whole lot better and there were sparks of greatness with and I forget the gentleman's name who played Iron Fist I just think he needed he needed better direction and better stunt choreography. That's what I think it was. Because overall premise of the show and even how they wanted him to be was fine. I, I think there were a lot of extenuating circumstances that just were not did not go well for that show. But as a whole, like he played with Mike Coulter and uh, as Iron Man, not Iron Man, Power Man, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones. We need Jessica Jones back too. Uh, Christopher to as Jessica Jones and um, Charlie Cox's Daredevil. They were a great foursome on screen and worked well together. I was like, Iron Fist is not a character with this current with the current actor as as a standalone series. No, but you put him in a series with Mike Coulter, I can see that working. Uh, that uh, sort of Heroes for Hire series and Marvel bring that back with those. Two. I can see that working in the current MCU, uh, especially with uh, what they did with Shang Chi. I'm saying uh, a lot, and I really think that could work. But I am excited for what this could hold for the MCU and kind of incorporating some of those actors that we think were born to play these roles into the MCU proper. So that's my take on. Hawkeye episode 5 if you haven't watched it watch it it's a really good episode I've been really really impressed with this series from the jump I don't know some people haven't really been feeling like that I thought it's been great and so that's my recommendation and now let's get into the fragrance of the week now with the cold weather edition of the fragrance of the week obviously I'm going back to a lot of my old favorites and many of them, well, I don't say many, but some of them are ones I really never thought would be really phenomenal cold weather bangers. Now, one of the class of fragrances, and I put it as a class of fragrance, um, are the Creed Aventus clone slash similar uh, fragrances. And I just think that of all of them that I have, well, all of them, I think I have, what, two that are direct clones and and then one has people could say it's a uh, similar to or maybe inspired by all of them work phenomenally well um, in 
the cold weather. These are all fragrances that I would say are definitely year-round fragrances. And the one I'm going to touch on today, which isn't a clone, but some of the community really think that it um, has similarities to it. And I, I can understand why is the bergamot and musk by cremo and with this one you're going to find just three simple notes top notes of sicilian bergamot middle notes of exotic fruits and base notes of ambery musk now with this one i've always thought this one was very powerful it um, has great projection great longevity this is one for me on my skin it lasts all day um, it's one you don't want to necessarily over spray like you can a little bit but you can choke people out with this one so you want to be really mindful of how much you're spraying um doing when you're doing your first application but one of the things for me that really sticks out in the cold weather is the musk base base note the musk base note really helps the longevity and projection of this fragrance as a whole but really in the cold weather something about the crisp dry air it's really able those musk molecules the center really able to just hop, hop on board the air and just kind of float around to really give a great projection in the cold weather at least that's what i've experienced thus far and one of the things i love about just all the criminal fragrances that i have and i have three from their line they're very inexpensive uh you can find them in major retailers from Walmart to Target range anywhere from um, about 1990 up until 22 so anywhere from 20 to 23 dollars for a hundred ml bottle and let me tell you just in general um, if you are someone who is just starting your collection just starting fragrances picking up cremal fragrances especially the bergamot and musk and the spice and black vanilla are definitely two I would say start out with uh, especially for the winter I think those are great for the winter and relatively inexpensive as well. Uh, they are too good for their own good considering the price. So that's my recommendation for this week's fragrance of the week. Bergamot and Musk by the Criminal Company. And of course, this has been another episode of the Sartorian Geek Podcast by Webster Style. Where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I have been your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance. Wishing everyone a very happy happy holiday feel free to find us on the web at websterstyle.com email us at info at websterstylemagazine.com find us on instagram at websterstyle and a sartorian geek and also find us on twitter at websterstyle and again thank you for joining us and remember be safe out there and stay blessed baby you see this nah this is hold on i mean i can change i thought never mind forget I'm a Jenny Jenny Miffinny Muffinny Finicky when it comes to the killing spree, aka that's an ensemble. Are you the enemy if you're not defending the presence of Millie in the vicinity without a bow tie? Okay, I might have went over the edge. Besides, I really let them clothes on them legs. Some guys need to get strong. We can lift them to the sky. The party's on the 12th. We got a little time, time, time to get it on. And no fact, I'm the type of pussy on. And after that, take a picture with the I'm choosing what we own. That was Tree Green Tuesday. Had to be Bowtie Thursday. Had to be White Wednesday. Uh, I don't. Well, I know last time. 
Why well, I wore polka dot, you didn't wear. Oh, I forget it. Million them heels killing them, but I'm sure it's a Thursday. Bow tie Thursday, pasta cream in your heels looking sharp. Bay acting like you don't know the rules up in the workplace. Must I remind you it was till on your birthday? Don't get me wrong, I think we killed in the birthdays. And you picked the hell of fit for the church day. Let's say you picked the wrist game for it. Now you got the floor filled with bras that you purchase. Pick a color scheme that can match your very corset. Under them scenes. Cause no one man should have all that styling. Take it off, clothes on the floor piling. No one girl should fit it all in them jeans. So take it up and let me see what's under them scenes.